G'day, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. In this ep, JY and I chew the fat with Zach Pettit. After tragically losing his best mate to osteosarcoma, Zach has started his own non-for-profit organization called Tuco. He's also recently ran four marathons in four weeks to help raise awareness and important funds for osteosarcoma. This is one of our favorite chats to date and a cause that Chewing the Fat is thrilled to get behind. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already. Let's go. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, wherever you are listening to us. This is the Chewing the Fat podcast. I'm JY. We have CB, and today we are joined by none other than Zach of Tuco. Zach, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Um, Zach Pettit, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio today, mate. Um, you've got a, a pretty incredible story that we're keen to, to get into, and you're doing some pretty incredible things with a non-for-profit organisation called Tuco. Um, but... Yeah, before we get into it, mate, tell us a little bit about yourself, mate, who you are and... Yeah, no worries. Um, my name's Zach Pettit, uh, 25 years old, uh, from the northern suburbs out in Whittlesea. I'm an electrician and, yeah, I've just created this non-for-profit organisation that is officially up and running, uh, government listed now. So it's called Tuco, Time to Know Osteosarcoma, and yeah, we'll get into a bit of, about that later on. Um, so it's it's some brilliant work that you're doing, mate, which obviously we're going to touch on today, but unfortunately it started because um, you've been through a, a pretty horrible time and a, and a personal tragedy, mate. You've uh, you've lost one of your best mates um, six years ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zane Robert Collier, that's his name, um, lost him in 2015, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, that's where this has started. And yeah, it was uh, pretty full on. And yeah, we can go into detail um, just... Uh, how that went a bit went went down and yeah um well yeah obviously mate we've uh, this has all started in in zane collier's legacy so we'd love to hear a little bit about him and, and your relationship and um and yeah i suppose his story as well as yours yeah definitely uh so zane and i met back in 2008 uh orientation day uh there so that was the end of grade six um yeah we just clicked like that um basically I think it was, yeah, and then obviously we went into year seven. In year seven, um, we started playing footy together, you know, um, you know, having a laugh, uh, getting to really, um, getting to know each other. And unfortunately, the first week of, the first week of school, it was actually one of the hottest recorded um, days um, within Victoria. I think it was like 48, 49 degrees. Uh, and we, we went to Assumption College, Kilmore, and uh, he was, it was a Saturday, obviously Black, Black Saturday. Um, he lived in Wandong, I lived out in Whittlesea, and unfortunately uh, his um, home got burnt down. So that was very early days um, of having this friendship. And yeah, it was, it was very tough. Um, he obviously, he could no longer come to school for a few weeks. So I, uh, straight away I felt that, you know, that... Um, lost feeling without him being at school um really early on but that also um made it made for a very strong relationship um we bonded quite quickly 
um, and quite instantly through such a tragic time uh, he ended up moving out to a chicken farm out in Walla and someone gave um, him and his family this little chicken farm house to live in for a few few months while they uh, organised where they were going to move to next so yeah we got to you know have a laugh muck around out there um, and then yeah obviously football became a really big thing for me and Zano uh, we both went for Collingwood um, and yeah so so um, yeah that was yeah quite full on early into our um, into our friendship um, and then from that we yeah we just started uh, playing footy together I'd play for Whittlesey um, Junior Football Club he'd play for Kilmore and then on a Saturday we'd both play together out at Assumption um, yeah and he was just a wonderful football player to to be around he, he was very uplifting he'd get get everyone involved he was a midfielder and yeah so that was that was early days when we were quite young coming into year eight year nine um you know you start hitting 16 17 a few beers involved uh fighting over the ladies you know a lot of fighting over the ladies uh he genuinely won that battle <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, hitting year, year nine, year ten, um, started getting super close, you know, mucking around. Um, after that, we go, we got a bit. What were we? Seventeen, eighteen, yeah, year eleven, year twelve. VCE Vcal, he decided that he wanted to be an electrician. Um, so he'd do once a week. You do the school based apprenticeship. Um, so and then he'd play footy and that's when he really started lifting his game in footy he became a player for the Calder Cannons and Vic Country really lifting his game in that area and started you know looking for an opportunity to play in the AFL as as yeah as well as obviously having this op- uh, option of being an electrician if you wanted to go down that path um, and he also gave me the idea of um, joining the fire brigade early in I think it was early in year 11, which was, to me, an idea that I didn't really ever think about, but um, now it's also a dream of mine. Um, yeah, he kind of gave me that idea, which was pretty cool, and then, yeah, hitting in, uh, I think it was early in year 12, he, he just turned 18, I think um, it was around about March, it was his 18th birthday, uh, I think it was probably early early days into pre-season for first 18 football so that's when you know footy in year 12 gets quite serious um he, he was missing a lot of training um unfortunately he had a bit of an, a sore uh femur um yeah he wasn't too sure what was going on so he got sent to a physio and they had a look at it and then i think the doctors had an x-ray and they they found a black little hole uh, sorry, a, a black dot in his uh, left femur, and they ended up deciding that they needed to do a biopsy on that, which was ultimately resulted in osteosarcoma. Uh, osteosarcoma is a bone cancer, um, yeah, that forms usually in your femur or like your long bones, um, and basically, yeah, they, they found that. So that was a couple of weeks after his, his 18th birthday, which which was devastating news. Um, you know, you, I remember him telling me that he had cancer and, you know, people don't joke about cancer and, you know, we're, we're funny blokes, but, yeah, you just kind of think, no, oh, this, is, this is bullshit, he's taking the piss or something. But, yeah, no, that was, that was the case. Um, 
and seeing him uh, just the way he went about it, you know, he instantly had time off school and obviously year 12 is the most important year for, for your VCE, your VCO years. Uh, and yeah, he had quite a bit of time off and instantly that that feeling of emptiness came about me again in in year 12. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I was probably my first bout of, you know, some sort of anxiety or depression, just, yeah, not, not knowing what what was going to happen with my mate or what he was about to go through. Yeah, it was pretty hard to comprehend at that early age. So, yeah, so he went through chemo, obviously started losing his hair, um, getting quite sick. He could, he'd come to school when he, when he could, obviously. Um, he'd have his good days and his bad days. But he was such a strong strong kid, you know. He'd, you'd, you'd always see him and he'd have a smile on his face. He'd... Um, he'd He'd just be such a vibe. It doesn't matter if he was sick or not sick. And I don't know about you guys, but just being sick in general, you feel like you have like this completely different persona around. You know, the way you look at the world, you just need your mum, you need a hug, whatever it might be. Um, Yeah, so it was to see him whenever he was around, have a smile on, on his face and, you know, try to make everyone, uplift everyone else, regardless of what he was going through. It was just a credit to him and his family. Um, yeah, it's really helped me kind of become the person that I am today uh, with the way I, I try to look at things and the way I try to go about things and it just puts a lot into perspective. So yeah, he was quite sick for for a period of time with the chemo, battling through that. Um, and then yeah, that was throughout the year 12. They ended up deciding that they'd have to remove his femur which is just a massive operation in itself, you know. Um, I remember walking into, uh, I think it was Peter Mack, and seeing these tubes hanging out of his legs and a scar from his knee to his bloody hip. Um, yeah, it's quite quite a full-on experience to see you, mate. There's someone that was so fit and healthy um, be, unfortunately, have this tragic thing happen to him. Yeah, it just... You can't really put it put it into words, but yeah, just he uh, eventually uh, was on crutches. He obviously couldn't walk for a long, long time, so was in a wheelchair. Um, that was coming in towards the end of our year twelve year, and I just remember like at grad night having to watch him inject himself with all this stuff, and it's just yeah, it was, it was a crazy crazy thing to see. So bizarre um, and unfortunate. And so that was, yeah, that was the end of coming towards the end of 2015. Obviously, missed out on things like schoolies, New Year's and all those fun activities that I look back on now and think, what a brave bloke, like, just to, you know, miss out on all these things but still have this positive attitude about life. You know, he always, whenever I went and saw him, he just wanted me to be me, you know, laugh, have a laugh, have a joke, talk about whatever... Like you know, came to mind other than the situation at hand. So yeah, it's um yeah, it was pretty full on. So that was the end of twenty fifteen. Uh, sorry, twenty fourteen, year twelve. Um, coming into uh, early twenty fifteen. So basically, osteosarcoma metastato- sorry metastasizes um, from your bone into your organs so yeah so it can spread into your organs that's what metastasize means uh which is 
quite bizarre and unusual um, from what I've, I've seen and my experiences it's just we need to try this is what Tuco is all about trying to understand how and why this is this happens um, yeah because it's just it's crazy so it eventually actually spread to his lungs even though they had removed the femur and I think it must have been that would have been around about March or Feb in 2015 that that had happened so yeah to see him then have to tackle that uh, he had a few minor keyhole surgeries in his lungs to remove these small tumours out of his out of his lungs and once again you know just credit to him the way he went about that um yeah so i think we'll fast forward a little bit so he's he's recovered well from that and he was he wasn't far off from being in remission from what what uh what looked to be that's yeah so remission's basically cleared of cancer um so that yeah i reckon june came around Sorry, not maybe not June. We'll just say May. Uh, my brother actually had his deb, and Zane really wanted to come. And you know, credit to him again because it's to see him dancing with with you know a femur that's been removed, having a laugh, having a few beers with the boys. And I remember earlier that night I had footy on the Saturday, and he said, "Zachy, make sure you're fucking drinking." <laughs> and um, I kept saying no, and then eventually, you know, he twisted my arm, and I was I was blind with him. <laughs> <laughs> and to see him dance on the stage, you know, with with all of our mates, having a laugh after everything he's gone through in the in the past 12, 14 months was just amazing. It was probably one of the best experiences and days of our lives to this date. Um, and then, yeah, look, a couple of a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, he was he was told, which is just so full on that he had. A minimum six months to live um it had spread through his lungs and yeah it wasn't wasn't looking too good for him so yeah it was it was crazy i remember him texting me he just wasn't himself um obviously heavily medicated and i could just tell something was up and yeah the text message to get from your best mate saying uh, you had you had six months to live uh, yeah, it knocked me around. Um, I actually, yeah, I passed out from that text message, and I think, yeah, just, just hit you, just hit you for six to think that someone so fit and healthy one minute can be so sick to be told that you know he's got he's got six months to live. Um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, a wild experience. Um, and uh, in August, 24th of August, 2015, he passed away from from the cancer. Um, I said goodbye to him a few days earlier. Uh, it was actually my birthday. And, yeah, it's just um, still something to this day that I can't comprehend. I cannot get my head around it. But, um, yeah, this is why I'm here just to tell his story um have his legacy live in the up with the utmost respect and obviously try create some sort of change and help other kids fight this battle because it's just it's a cancer that's 
quite aggressive. It's you know it's vicious and it and it seems to be like it's a roulette. You know, does it'll pick anyone and and anything. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's potentially picks kids from you know ten years old to nineteen years old. They're not quite sure as to why. It could be genetics, DNA, could be growth spurts. So yeah, it's just very unknown disease and. Yeah, to get it to get the ball rolling to spread this awareness and to be on this podcast with two strangers is it is it's hard but it's it's beautiful in a sense you know to to get that spread of awareness it's yeah it's a wonderful thing so I really appreciate you guys for allowing me to come on this podcast. And Zach, when we first Chris and I first heard your story, we were blown away, especially by your bravery to be able to speak about this. Um, and I think it's a huge credit to yourself, mate, that you've actually taken this opportunity to spread awareness. Yeah. Um, we had a look into um, osteosarcoma ourselves before. We wanted to do a bit of research. And one of the, the hardest parts is there's not much out there on it. Mm. Um, tell us what you're trying to achieve to go. What's your mission? Yeah, so obviously my mission is to spread awareness, um, make people realise just how vicious this disease is and obviously like you said just how little there is um, known about this disease so yeah back in I think it was I think it was this time last year lockdown I had a lot of time on myself had had a shoulder operation a lot of time off work so I actually kind of felt guilty I I remember the exact moment I was walking my dog and I um I forgot what the cancer was called and it was yeah it was a big shock to me to my system because I, uh, I felt guilty in a sense but then I realized it was probably just a, a coping mechanism just mm. to you know forget but then I realized that's that's not going to help forgetting and moving on it's just it's not the way it's not the way to be it's not the way Zane's taught me so yeah it was it was uh, something that kind of yeah threw me off guard made me realize all right you need to start putting some time and research into this understanding it and try uh, create something that will help others better off from from knowing what the disease is so yeah I, I decided I decided once I was better that I, I could do something and be passionate about it so that something was running so I decided to create a fundraiser to raise money into research for osteosarcoma. So yeah, I sat down and um, decided that I'd eventually create an organisation, which was has only been I think we've we've had this um, for about four months now. Tuco's been up and running for four months and only just recently become a government listed organization which is pretty exciting so yeah in in one year we've created that and basically from there um, back in May this year I set out to run four uh, ultra marathons in the month of May every Sunday so I built up to do that so uh, to get into uh, running and the science behind that there was yeah there was a fair bit to you know start understanding and researching and just understanding my body and and the mental side and physical side behind the body so 
you know, running these long distances, yeah, a lot entails with, you know, your mind and your body and incorporating both. So, like, just learning what carbohydrates, when to take them, you know, what they can do for you. You're, like, um, fueling up with, with hydration, plenty of fluids, plenty of water, your Gatorade, your electrolytes, all that thing, um, you know, your rapid gel, um, yeah, just any creams that can hopefully, you know, numb and ease the pain that you're going through. So, yeah, my first, um, my, my first marathon was May, I think it was like the 2nd of May, Sunday the 2nd of May. A few boys and myself set out to, yeah, run 42Ks, that was the first marathon. Uh, we ran from South Rang, which is out my my way, to come up towards here, out in um, Brighton, which was, yeah, it was a big trek. Um, ran past Revolver Upstairs, which was Still pretty kicking. nice. Yeah, yeah, a few, few heads out the front. <laughs> yeah. It was weird to be actually fit and healthy out the front of Revs, but yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that was the first one, which was which was a big challenge in itself. Um, I'd run and I'd run my first marathon a couple of months prior to that, and yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. Your, your lactic acids usually hit you around the 30, 32 kilometer mark, and then everything after that is just mental. You know, your mental toughness, how how passionate you are about getting through something, how devoted, how much your training went into it. Um, yeah, and how prepared you are to get through. So yeah, it was it was a wonderful thing to to get through that first one. Um, how much time did you spend preparing for that? First how, many, one? how much time? Yeah, probably probably a good three months. I got uh, Sean Williams is a, a Olympic marathon runner. I got onto him just in the nick of time, and he he sorted me out a program, which entailed uh, you know two two to three ten kilometer runs a week. And then a big Sunday run. So the <clears throat> the big Sunday runs uh, slowly started off with you know t- your twenty kilometres half marathon, and then the following Sunday I'd bump it up to a 25, 26 kilometre run. Eventually I got to thirty five kilometres. Then I had a week off, and then the first marathon was that following Sunday. So yeah, just putting you know fifty, sixty kilometres in the legs per week and building up to that. Um, and just obviously the big part in in um, in all of this is your recovery. So I had you know I had um, a few different physios. Didn't have CB physio help me out, but I might get him on the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, had uh, Jared from Northern Northern Spinal help me out. Uh, he actually. He put me in a hyperbaric chamber. So what that is is the best way for me to explain that to people that don't know. It's called, it's kind of like a you know a metal swag. You know if you hopefully you're not claustrophobic because it is quite tight in there and you jump in there. And it was it was just a time for me to you know meditate, reflect, and it it just pumps you full of oxygen, allows your body to get that blood oxygenated, and yeah, recover quickly. You, you, um, you spend about an hour to two hours in there, so it was just a good time for me to reflect, meditate, or fall asleep. Having that bit of time to myself, it was really nice. So I was doing that anywhere between two and three times a week. Um, yeah, so that was that was a wonderful thing to have. I uh, also had 
physios out in Whittlesea, out in my area, uh, Whittlesea Physio, uh, they just, you know, acupuncture, um, cupping, I did a lot of Pilates out there as well, stretching, which was, yeah, um, a, a massive help, especially the Pilates, you know, stretching out, making sure your core's working on that core strength, um, yeah, it was a, a massive help as well, um, and then I spent a lot of times recovering in a sauna and swimming just trying to you know do as much as I could to prepare myself for that next run so yeah I completed that first run um, luckily with no just a few little niggles through the hips through the knees um, and then coming into that second run I ran my second run out in Assumption College Kilmore which is the school that Zane and I went to uh, and I decided to just do this one purely based on you know mental toughness which was 48 kilometers around an oval I that, this blows my mind yeah. like it's one thing to run a marathon and be going in one straight line down a road or whatever but to run laps of an oval yeah. 48 kilometers like that is unbelievable mate. yeah it was um that one probably got me the most mentally but that yeah that was kind of my my idea was to just you know you see these kids they're going to go through through hell and back and they've still got this smile on their face just like for example Zaino did it was kind of my point you know it's just it was boring there was nothing to it and it was constant and it was consistent but there was a smile on my face at the end of the day and that yeah that was what that was to prove so yeah that was that was quite hard that one <laughs> um no, that was one thing everyone asked me was can't, how many laps, how many laps, and my aim to get through any run is to never even know the kilometres. I kind mm. of base it off every hour, which should be roughly ten kilometres. So yeah, everyone kept asking me how many, how many laps, how many laps, but I didn't, I never wanted to know. <laughs> it just slows down time. It's CB doing the maths. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I think it was about one hundred and forty, no, one hundred and forty-eight laps. Did yeah, you have a home crowd right. cheering you on? Yeah, there was a, f- a f- fair few mates, close friends and family came and, uh, yeah, they put in quite a few laps. Some of my mates ran the half a marathon first time yes. ever yeah, yeah. running with me. So it was it was very uplifting. Yeah. It was it was cool to see a lot of people jump on board. I, I had to change two pairs of shoes, which actually ended up causing me quite a bit of pain in my left foot. I got some plantar fascia pain through that foot just because... My ASICs just got so soggy, so wet because we started running early in, on a winter's day in the morning. So then I'll put on, I don't know if you know, guys know what a Hocker One One is. So it's like a marathon shoe. It's a very, very comfortable shoe. Shout out to Lukey and Donna from Landsfit. They um, supplied me with these shoes and said, Zachy, once you go Hocker One One, you'll never go back. So yeah, highly recommend. They're wonderful shoes. I should have worn them from the start, but. I didn't, but yeah, putting them putting them on helped a lot. They're super super comfortable with a lot of foam. Um, yeah, but yeah, that caused me to have quite a bit of pain through my through my plantar fascia. I ended up running the last couple of kilometres with no shoes just because I was in that much pain, which was probably silly because it probably caused more issues to my foot. Now looking back to it, but yeah, I had a lot of work done throughout that week trying to trying to solve that issue because it was just I could hardly walk. Come Monday at work, Tuesday, yeah, I could hardly walk. And then I actually, I, I'm an electrician, so I was working full time whilst doing this. Yeah, which was which was pretty bizarre. But um, yeah, my my company did what they could to to help me out, which was amazing. Um, 
Yeah, so come the Thursday um, before the third run, I actually got quite sick. I was I was really run down. I was thinking, wow, this is um, this isn't looking too good. Uh, my third run was out at um, Lawn to Apollo Bay. It was a a registered marathon, ultra marathon. I, I decided to click the sixty on that one. So yeah, that was a sixty kilometre one, and look, forty <laughs> forty eight kilometres was the most I ever ran. So. I was this so one 48 kilometres debilitating plantar fasciitis you crook in bed <laughs> yeah let's bump it up to 60 the next week <laughs> for people that don't know who are listening here to run one marathon especially to have taking you three months of prep to do this you just two weeks later decide to run the season yeah this is nuts it was a a lot to comprehend and I think it all kind of hit me when I was laying in bed um, but yeah just a lot of supplements went in the system that in those few days couple of steam rooms i don't know if you should jump in a steam room when you're sick but i decided to <laughs> just sweat everything out friday look i wasn't too crash hot but i was a lot better and then yeah saturday came uh sorry sunday was race day so saturday i, I showed up to a mate's house and just went into the preparation again you know um had everything ready um, a lot of supplements a lot of um different supplements to to drink a lot of a lot of foods you got to carry a lot on you with these big runs because you just want to be you just want to have those nutrient supplements with you every every second of the way um and the extra you have the better because you just never know what's around the corner on these big runs yeah so just preparing myself that way making sure i had gels rapid gel which is like this this numbing cream for when you know you get you cramp up quite a quite a lot regardless um so taking pickle juice i try to take pickle juice before before these runs the night before in the morning of which pickle juice is just full of sodium um yeah it's a wonderful little secret that um highly recommend if you're ever gonna juice. run a 60 Delicious. kilometer james yeah <laughs> just a little swig of pickle juice it'll sort you out raising the fruit <laughs> um so yeah Coming into that third run, yeah, I was stretching up, watching a lot of older people prepare as well, and I was thinking, Jesus, have you bit off more than you can chew here, Zach? Wonder how you'd go if you were fresh, let alone yeah, a few injuries and a couple of k's deep. But yeah, so ended up um, feeling quite good in that race early on, and. Yeah, the the pain in the foot was there and it was consistent, but before you you knew it, it was gone. Um, it gets to that point where your body just kind of forgets about the pain, and you just move on from it. So you know, I think that fifteen twenty kilometer mark is really where your your body warms up, loosens up, and yeah, within that twenty k period, I'd forgotten the pain i just yeah you know before prior to that that's all i was concentrating on and then after it just disappeared and uh, i'll never forget running I've, i don't think i've actually ever told anyone this but i'm really big on energy and just you know feeling everyone else's energy around you and that this little kid he was just on the side on the sidewalk and i was probably 20 25 k's deep and you know all the you know the towns there to support you, each town that you run past from lawn to apollo bay and and this little kid just looked at me and he goes make sure you don't give up and then and it was just 
It was Grias, but he he high fived me, and that high five, it, this energy just kind of like transported up my arm and through the back of my spine, and then just gave me this weird buzz of energy that just made me, you know, shoot forward and go, yeah, this is what you're doing, Zach. You know, you're gonna do it no matter what. So it was just, it was a very special moment and an experience that I'll never forget. And obviously, yeah, I think it got to actually at 40 kilometers. We're running. It was one kilometer in elevation, so I think it was about forty-eight kilometers I was at, which was the most I'd ever run, run the week before. I actually cramped up running up this hill, and I saw a lot of people walking up this hill, and I was wondering why. And then instantly I cramped up. From both my hammies went, and also my lat. And I was like, "Wow, this is probably all that your body can take, Zach. This is probably you know, this is your lactic acid saying, and this is it." And yeah, it was. It was quite scary. Um, it was, it was, yeah, frightening because I thought, oh, wow, this is it. And I could just pitch myself not making it to the finish line because you only have a limited amount of time to, to get it done. So they give you six and a half hours. So that's running at six minute 30 Ks at least for the whole time of that 60 kilometer um, duration. So, yeah, it got to that 48 kilometers and I freaked out. Um, and then I just, you know, just provided myself with nutrients and a lot of water, a lot of supplementation, and then just used a whole lot of DP, a whole lot of rapid gel, pretty much finished it off right there and then. And, um, yeah, just slowly walked up the hill. Then once I got to the top of the hill, ran down it, and my body just loosened up. And before I knew it, I knew I had roughly 10 kilometers left. So, yeah, got got through it in the end. And then completed my first official ultra marathon which was yeah it was it was wonderful you know like you you set your mind to a goal and then you accomplish it yeah it was it was a pretty big achievement i think um and to have you know my close mates there at the finish line was something that i'll probably never forget head into the apollo bay hotel and yeah coffees to uh, celebrate the end of 60ks mate i definitely did mate i only took one beer and i was blind i actually actually had three months off the off the piss so yeah that was my first 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 beer in a while but that was only my third run so i was had to play it smart because i knew i had Mm. one more big one left the following week um so yeah had a couple of beers there, got a little too blind off two beers, reminded me of back in being 16 again, but um, yeah, it was good fun. So yeah, that was Apollo Bay, um, got that done and dusted and then prepared again for, for 63 kilometres, uh, which was Essendon to Kilmore. Um, basically that run was, yeah, to to really um, bring out Zane's legacy, Zane played for Duda Stars out in Essendon in his junior career. So I ran from Duda Stars to Assumption College Kilmore, which is obviously where he finished his career in year 12. Uh, yeah, so that was 63 kilometres um, with also an elevation of over over a kilometre. So, yeah, some very big hills in that run. So, yeah, just preparing for that run again. It was, yeah, it was bizarre because the plantar fascia pain, it didn't go away, but it was wasn't as painful compared to the other two runs so yeah just dealing with that dealing with little niggles through my knees um obviously you know going back to pilates going back to your saunas stretching even a bit of yoga um yeah and just really making sure that i was ready for this last run um yeah so the last run was on the 23rd of may i'm pretty certain um 
yeah, and just yeah, full of emotion. I had a lot of people running with with me throughout that day. All my close family and friends, Zane's close family and friends as well. So yeah, it was it was a wonderful day. So yeah, running from Essendon to Kilmore, yeah, it was full on. Uh, there was a, a bloody there was a shitload of hills on that back, back end. I don't know if you guys have been out towards Kilmore, but um, yeah, it's not not an easy run. But uh, just to to know that there was a lot of people at that finish line, you know, cheering myself and everyone else on was enough for me to get through it. Um, so yeah, that last run, there would have been 100, 200 people there, all in Tuco gear in um, the orange and purple. And yeah, it was it was uh, an amazing experience, um, and just yeah, really, really made me realise just how many people uh, I've touched and Tuco's touched in in such a big way, um, and having Zane's legacy, you know, really really shine was was amazing. We ended up um, my friends and family actually surprised me. I had this link that was obviously raising funds to um, sarcoma research, and it was at about eleven and a half thousand dollars. So he raised, yeah. So I, raised, I knew about that. I raised eleven and a half thousand dollars, and then they surprised me with a check that said over thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So yeah, it was. They did a little little side project that I didn't know about. So yeah, that was an amazing amazing thing to achieve um which 20 20 000 of those dollars is going to tuco our organization to you know build up build up tuco and yeah create more awareness so yeah it was it was an amazing day we ended up going to the pub and yeah that's when i had a few more beers and yeah it was it was a wonderful experience and it was good yeah it was good to see so many people turn up and and yeah, the community to get around it. It's unreal. Like that just blows your mind, doesn't it? To be running those sort of distances and doing it that consecutively. consecutively. Um, we're going to touch on Tuco a little bit more, but I'm keen to hear about your thoughts in, in running. I suppose what got you into running in the first place? What made you enjoy it? As well as yeah. how you do, like, I mean, the, the physical feat to get through when you spoke about all the supplements and all the, you know, the, the rehab stuff and Pilates and treatment you were getting to, you know, recover and to get your body over the line. But how you get through it mentally and the training runs, mate? Like, are you, are you listening to tunes? Are you, mm. you belting out a podcast? Like, how do you... Listen to tune the fat. Listen to tune the fat. <laughs> like, I mean, the thing that gets me, like, if you're going to, for a 60K run, like, and you're 25 kilometres in, you've got 35 kilometres to go. Like, how do you get through that mentally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think early days, are actually just... I reckon I just realised this not too long ago, within the last week. I think when I was a lot younger, probably... 16, 17, I think I started running, getting over a breakup. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I fell in love with it early on and then kind of lost lost, lost it a little bit. And then uh, 2019, I, I ran for Beyond Blue, raising some money again for mental health. And I ran from Whittlesea to Kilmore, which was 35Ks. And I think for a good year, I was just talking about doing it. And then I, once I accomplished it and achieved it, I was very. I wasn't prepared for it at all. It was probably one of the toughest runs I've ever done because I just was not ready for it when it came to, you know, obviously like you said, the supplements and just keeping hydrated. I remember I probably had one drink that whole time for that thirty-five k. So, 
yeah, it's just a bit of a learning curve that once I once I completed that run, I, I thought to myself, you know, anything's possible. So, yeah, marathon. I wasn't far off a mar- marathon. Obviously, a marathon's forty-two kilometers. I only had seven left, but that seven, it is a lot. It is a it's it's a big ball game in the long distance running, and it is a lot more than what you think. But um, yeah, just yeah, touching on obviously the mental side of running those bigger distances that's still pretty new to me myself but i think just prolonging anything so whether it might have been you know a gel or um uh, a bar something to eat nutritious just pushing it back so say if i was running a 20 a half marathon and i wanted to fill myself up with a gel or something full of carbs and you'd eat it at like you drink it or eat it at five kilometers whereas those bigger runs you push everything back you know to preserve everything you've got so i might have my first gel at 10 15 kilometers um you know and then keep sipping on water and um or parade whatever it might be yeah so just preparing yourself mentally for those bigger runs it's just yeah all about i think prolonging everything for as long as you can you know that lactic acid's going to hit you and then i think it just comes down to you know you your heart and your your mental strength and how much you really want to achieve it um and yeah if you've put the preparation in prior to it i think anything's possible obviously a lot of people were kind of wondering if i I was going to be able to do it and yeah it actually did early on i I obviously said yeah i'm just going to do it but then actually achieving it and then people asking are you going to be able to it does put your put that little idea in your head always maybe it's too much maybe you've overdone it but yeah i just think if you've got the heart and the devotion the dedication behind you 100 percent, you'll be able to you'll be able to achieve it so yeah had you always been with footy someone who prepared and sort of been quite professional before uh, games or no i wasn't really yeah. to be honest i was probably one that rocked up more times and not hung over <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i think ultimately knowing that i was going to be running for for others and knowing the cause and just just helping others is ultimately what got me through i reckon and yeah like you see i don't know if you yeah you boys just just completed the challenge the other day um two goes two kilometer challenge two goes 10 kilometer challenge i set those out last year and this year just to get everyone trying to get that you know that positive mental headspace but also just just getting people out moving um and it's been it's been wonderful to see just so many people getting out and trying to spread spread um the awareness obviously this month's sarcoma awareness month so um just recently i've really tried to push people to get out of their comfort zone and just move just a little bit whether it's walking or running um and just feel the the benefits behind it you know you don't have to run you can walk but obviously running's better getting getting sweaty um getting out of your head and into your body yeah is something that that um yeah i'm big on and yeah it's been cool to see it's um it is it's it's you know it can almost be like a meditation you know like you said you're switching off from the world you're just focusing on you know putting one foot in front of the other for your however many kilometers it is and um it is such a yeah i mean like you said it's mental toughness and mental resilience to get you through those 
marathons and ultra marathons, but even just to clear your head and you know escape from the day to day and um, look after your own sort of mental sanity and well being. I think um, running is a great escape for me personally, and I, you know, it sounds like you feel the same. Yeah, yeah, like you said, a meditation. That's probably one thing that I've probably missed out on saying. But yeah, it is. That's big for me. Like um, I'm a person that kind of gets stuck quite often on my phone or in my head. You know, uh, suffer from anxiety myself. So. I think I've learned, especially quite recently and throughout these lockdowns, that you know, getting into those runs, whether they're short distances or long distances, it doesn't really matter. You know, you you put your headphones in, world out, concentrate on that one thing, and you know, get it done. And you you realise how much clearer you think, you know, and your attitude towards life just changes, even if it is for that split second, for that day. I, I tend to run in the afternoons just purely because I get get up quite early for work but yeah I think it's it's probably better to go about it if you you know if you get up early go for a run or whatever it is I know you boys are quite big on your routines and things like that so maybe I'll get you onto the two kilometre challenge a bit often <laughs> love to I don't know about James he might lose a few gains mate <laughs> I can see that he's got more to worry about <laughs> um, yeah it's uh, it still blows my mind mate the, uh, the effort that you've done um what I want to touch on a little bit, mate, obviously, you know, you're, you're very brave to come on and speak about Zane's story, but um, going through the loss of someone so close to you, mate, it's, it's honestly something that you can only imagine what that's like. Like, unless you've been through it, you know, you can't completely empathise with someone who, who's been through, um, you know, what you have and, and lost someone as close to you that, that you did, mate, with, with Zane, who was obviously a, a, just a fantastic mate for you. Um, I'm interested to know, mate, if you, if you don't mind talking to, talking to us about, like, just how you go about getting through that yourself, um, how you go looking after your own headspace and, and your own mental health when you go through um, such a such a traumatic experience. And I'm sure without knowing, mate, that it's something that you'd never, you know, just get over. You never completely pass it. It's always going to be with you. But, um, you know, how, how do you look to work through that and, you know, put one foot in front of the other every day when you when you have to deal with something like that, mate? Yeah, look, it was obviously, yeah, quite quite an emotional challenge and it will forever be an emotional challenge it was I was only 19 myself uh, when I lost him and to, to have to speak in front of a massive massive crowd um, at your best mate's funeral yeah, it's it's quite a full-on experience and a very very emotional one but having you know to get through it you obviously you have your close your close friends and family you know that you can always look back on and and help with support um most recently i probably last year i finally decided just to go see someone i don't know why it took so long but yeah that's what i decided to do i think you know lockdown and yeah having all that time to myself really got the better of me and yeah just to be able to see someone if you're struggling yeah why not if male or female it doesn't doesn't really matter um yeah so that's what i did i went and saw a psych and yeah they helped me yeah um battle yeah battle my yeah my anxieties and and slight depression and ultimately that's why we're here today i've created tuco and created an agenda that that's helped me with my with my struggles and made me realize that you know you can help others you're not you know um yeah so yeah it was, yeah it's it's full on but um yeah just to be able to to not feel 
helpless. That's what I was looking for. To not feel helpless um, and to create Tuco. That, you know, it's got such an initiative behind it that so many people are getting on board. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been incredible for my mental health personally. Um, and then obviously to yeah keep that fitness up, that fitness is probably number one. You know, um, when I was younger, from probably 20 to 22, it's quite, yeah, it's, I, I was kind of stuck in that phase of drinking a lot going out partying and, and then i realized you know that doesn't it doesn't help necessarily you know you kind of you're trying to f- forget you're trying to feel that that feeling or you're trying to push uh, you're trying to like sorry you're trying to like push away that numbness you know have that nice buzz um yeah yeah swollen yeah sorry but um yeah it was one thing that I was going through and I think I've only just woken up to it recently that yeah, you can't just keep hiding from, from the truths and from the anxieties. You need to try to talk up about it as much as you can, which obviously I've been doing. Um, and just, yeah, just definitely fitness for me personally. That, that was the biggest one to help, to help get through it. Yeah. There is, um, yeah, heaps of research to the benefits of exercise for, for people's mental health and psychological well-being. It's pretty underrated. Yeah. Just to get out there and move your body and, um, yeah, do something for, for your own physical health can definitely add a hell of a lot, which is obviously your uh, your living proof of that, mate. <laughs> Thank you. That's the incredible thing, like, to put so much pain into something so positive. Yeah. Not just for, you know, the message that you're um, bringing to us, but also to yourself. Yeah. Like, it's given you something almost like a purpose um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a lot to comprehend, but yeah. Ultimately, when you know you you can hopefully help these kids um, with a battle that's obviously ongoing. Um, yeah, it's a big it's a big achievement, and hopefully we can get some results. Like you know, the sky's the limit. So we'll just keep going and yeah, see where it comes from. And um, yeah. So I think we touched on earlier, so Tuco, um, for those who were just listening, T2KO, so it's a silent T2KO, which is, stands for it's time to know osteosarcoma because like you've said and like we've touched on earlier, it's something that it's a disease that there's not a lot known about. So the biggest thing that you're really trying to push is awareness for osteosarcoma. Yeah, correct, yep. Um, so I suppose, yeah, it's, it's a great thing that you're doing, but what's what's next for, for Tuco, mate? You've obviously already done these four, four ultramarathons in, in four weeks. You've raised over $30,000. You've got the merch out there. You're, you're doing challenges. You're, you know, you, you've done some incredible things so far. Um, what's next for Tuco, mate? What's in the pipeline? Where do you want to take it? Yeah, so I've um, got a few little options. Um, one is the last run that I did, we had a little bit of a party after it and it was such a huge success, you know, people are still talking about it now. It was a lot of fun. It was prior to that last lockdown we had that we can never seem to get out of. But yeah, it was a good it was a good um, little stint. So I think we've come up with an idea uh, to create a Tuco Techno party. So that'll be pretty cool. And obviously, we're going to try macro and micro manage Tuco. So this is more a micromanagement party so all funds hopefully can go to someone in particular in need um, that this needs help like if they if they've been diagnosed with the illness if they if their family need money so yeah that's that's a big one want to want to get a few parties which is pretty cool to to do i don't think there's not much of that happening so 
yeah, to be able to hopefully create some sort of party where everyone can come and jump on board and, you know, we'll sell tickets and hopefully have a few DJs and whatnot and a few drinks and just to be able to, you know, have a have a party for, for something cool with, yeah, with a positive positive initiative. That'll be um, pretty cool. So whenever we're able to do that, we're, we're going to, yeah, create that. So that's that's one thing we're looking at. Do you have a time frame for that, just for listening? <laughs> I don't yet, but hopefully in the warmer weather, we're looking at yeah September, October, November. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you two boys will be there with a couple of frothies in your hands. Like getting the diaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. I reckon. Um, can't wait for that one to to happen. Um, yeah, also obviously looking at um, my ultimate goal for Tuco is to kind of create a marathon ourselves or a marathon that anyone can you know jump in jump on board but i kind of want to uh create this this thing to be a marathon but kind of like a, a festival after it you know it's something that i've never really seen done before also after running my first marathon uh, my first marathon i realized there was, there's not too much recoveries after it that's kind of like you finish the marathon and then that's it and here's your medal which is yeah get on the beers which is which is so bizarre especially like understanding how important recovery is um yeah i wouldn't mind doing something whereas it's like an ice bath or an ice pool where everyone has to kind of you know jump in the pool after they're done uh fill themselves up with nutrients supplements um rehydrate and then you know walk through into this festival so yeah it'll be pretty bizarre but hopefully yeah in the next couple of years we can get that ball rolling um yeah like i said the sky's the limit so i really think that that can be achieved um and yeah then next year i'm looking at um doing tuco 100 so yeah that's um i don't know how that's going to go but tuco 100 is 100 kilometers so yeah i'm looking at running 100 k's hopefully next may we'll We'll see where that goes from there, but yeah, that's the that's the goal. So um, that's a big one. I'll get a few people talking, hopefully. But um, yeah, that's um, a few little things that that we've got in the works at the moment. 100 k's might be a thousand laps of uh, the Assumption College Oval. Oh, no chance. <laughs> that's done and dusted. That one. <laughs> oh, jeepers! I um, my one memory. I went to Assumption College once when I was in year 11 um, to play a game of school footy. On the windiest, coldest day of all time, I reckon we lost by 130 points, and I reckon I didn't get free disposals, mate. It was a uh, it was a bloody nightmare. But sounds uh, like a regular game. Sounds <laughs> like a regular game for me, but it's certainly a footy factory up there in Assumption. It's a very you know, cold yeah, factory. Interesting footy factory. Interesting, you said um, Zane played do, uh, for Duda Stars in his junior footy career. I reckon I played there about 10 times against them in the juniors, and never once won. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> he's brought up with the right clubs. That's for sure. He was, mate. He was. Um, your personal footy career? My, um, yeah, Whittlesea Football Club. Um, played my whole juniors there. Then obviously went to Assumption College. So played, yeah, obviously my teenage years there. Um, and then just recently went over to Kilmore Football Club for two years. And now I'm back at Whittlesea playing uh, a couple of resis games there. I just jumped back in after these marathon runs. Trying not to get injured, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think um, this could be it for me. Just ca- do not want to do not want to get injured again. So. so what you're saying is you did the marathons, then you played a couple of weeks. What's <laughs> yeah. the next week? Sure. No, no, I had a couple of weeks off. It was locked down, but yeah, jump back in. I needed to do something, so yeah, playing footy at the moment. But yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> cool. Um, 
cannot wait to hear what becomes of this 100k run, mate. That just blows my mind. If that's something you can get off the ground and get done. Have you got like an idea where you'll start? Or I don't have too many ideas, boys. I might have to jump back on and freeze in on closer to that day, but. Yeah, I think that's just been in me, on my mind now, 100 kilometres, to see if we can do that. That's the next step. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes and how that pans out. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're absolutely going to provide updates as they come through to our listeners because you're going to have a lot of people listening today who, yeah, are going to be very interested in hearing uh, what's to come. So um, We were sorry to hear you're a Collingwood supporter. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Not doing too well, are we, the boys? <laughs> Um, but if anyone, yeah, obviously can, you know, get involved and, and follow your work and help out in any way. Yeah, to get involved. To the, uh, to the Instagram page. Is that yep. the best way to get in touch or to, to see what's going on with 2K? Yep, sure is. So that's T2KO underscore underscore. Yeah, jump on that. Give us a follow yeah, and support the cause. We'll, uh, we'll whack a link in the, in the show notes for people Definitely. to get involved. Definitely. Zach, thank you so much, mate. No, nah, thanks for having me, boys. One last thing, mate, to leave you to leave you on. Um, tomato sauce, mate. Fridge or pantry? Where does it go in your house? <laughs> uh, it goes in the fridge, boys. Oh, no! <laughs> That's the lead. That's the lead officially. <laughs> yeah, thank you, mate. No thank worries. You. Um, apart from that horrible answer, mate, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chewing the fat with you today, mate. It's, uh, it takes... A lot of bravery and guts to, to talk about the things you've, you've spoken about and, and share Zane's story. And um, oh, we just keep saying it, mate. But I literally have no words for the the effort that you've done with uh, with the four marathons and with two Carl and, and everything you've done to, to share. Um, yeah, knowledge and, and, and you know awareness of osteosarcoma and raise some money for research, mate. It's, it's bloody amazing. Um, we're you know as a podcast, you and the happy to support you in any way we possibly can, mate. So thanks so much for, for coming on and telling your story and, and yeah, being with us today. Yeah, not a problem, guys. I really appreciate being on here. And like I said, yeah, the whole the whole goal behind this was to you know touch people, um, strangers um, about Zane's legacy and. Zane's story and yeah, help spread awareness. So I really appreciate you guys having me on and yeah, I'm looking forward to the future.